Welcome to another episode of Jesus in Gym Shoes, where we have unparalleled conversations about life skills in Jesus. I have one of the homies since since been since been one of the gang members from a long time ago. Unfortunately, he went to King in Chicago, and now he's living his life in Washington. You know, uh, I wish I had got to play them in football, but you know, such is life. I got my homeboy, Richard Taylor, who is a mental health activist. He be speaking all over the place. Him and his wife, they rich. They live in Seattle. Many people can't afford to live in Seattle, but, you know, glory to God that, you know, folks is hiring him. So I want y'all to welcome my homeboy, Richard Taylor, to the podcast. (laughs) There are several things that I really want to break down with that intro. Like, I feel like it could be like a whole marvel easter egg breakdown type of thing too that you mm-hmm. just put out <laughs> so thank you first of all for having me secondly i wish i was rich but from your mouth to god's ear so we're gonna go ahead and shoot that thing up um i think chicago's still um kind of out seattle as far as cost of living they're very close now though and then we did play each other in football we didn't play in the season we played at the summer camp in kankakee Oh, okay. Yeah, we kind of beat up on y'all. I remember that. Oh, no, no. That's yes. a lie. No. We beat up on you because no. Anthony was, that was junior year. Y'all didn't get good for real yes, until so, senior year. No, we got good junior year. We was nine and two in the regular season, junior, and we we lost the championship game to Brooks six to zip. We were good. Okay. All right. But we beat up on y'all time, junior man. year. So, senior year. Senior year when we were at camp, not so much. We didn't really do do that well senior year in high school. But in any event, we've all I've I went to college and I played college football. You decided that you wanted to hang up your cleats. Um and it led us I had a heart, had a heart condition. Don't be lying to people. Why we gotta start like this? It ain't even just five minutes. Jeez. <laughs> so the heart condition actually led you to what you're doing now, in a sense, right? So for the yeah, people that yeah. are, so for the people that are in the world that have no clue who Richard Taylor is, you know, tell them from your perspective what it is that you do and all that stuff. Again, man, um, I'm not big on titles and labels, but if I had to, I would say I'm an author, a speaker, a mental health advocate. Honestly, you know, I've taken on the, the I, people have called me a mental health expert, and I totally understand why now. Uh, man, when you talk about being able to like receive people's suicide letters after they hear you speak and, and talk about wanting to continue to live life, um, I, I feel like, you know, I, I've been a humble dude for a very long time and I'm still going to remain humble, but I'm trying to learn to tap into that like belief of like, yo, like you really, you that, like you that, you know what I mean? And so I've been telling myself that, man. So advocate, expert, tell me what you want in that space, but now, I'm a lover of people, um, podcaster, worship leader, too, um, even though DJ tell me I'm pitchy. Um, <laughs> I still get paid to lead worship, so that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> pitchy and all, Lord Jesus. You better but sing man, those songs. Um, you better sing those. <laughs> See, why we got to start like this, man? We ain't seen each other in eons and this too. This is what it is, man. But no, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a overall, just like I said, a, a lover of the people, man. Um, and to your point, you know, 
I don't just come talking about mental health from a standpoint of somebody who just has education around it when it comes to like reading books or um, the space of, you know, just the knowledge. Mine actually comes from the lived experience that led to education, that led to knowledge and getting a chance to connect with people who struggle in this realm and space um, in a field where, you know, a lot of times people who struggle don't necessarily feel heard um, or understood. And so, man, really trying to bring the conversation of mental health and simplify it and uh, the the easiest way possible for people to take in. And so that's a little bit about me, man. And like you said, you know, we can get into my story a little bit, man. But I lived it, dealt with bullying from the age of 10. At the age of 10, dealt with depression, anxiety, and suicide from the age of 10 to 20. And I think that was the real big piece for me that, um, man, that uh, – that really changed my life, you know, so it's crazy, like, even during the time of being, like, a highly scouted football player, athlete, and in that time frame, like, internally, I was struggling like crazy, but I, I, I kept on a good face, I never let anybody see it, the depression really started taking over my senior year when I found out about my heart, it was actually, like, junior year going into senior year doing a summer scrimmage, and, uh, man, that just jacked me up. And, and from there, man, I felt like a failure because my mom and dad had invested so much money into that sport. And I felt like that was the only way that I'd ever be something in life. And so when that didn't happen, man, I, I hit a huge downward spiral. I was highly suicidal during that time. Got to college, man, gained 170 pounds, was failing in school with like a 1.4 GPA for like three semesters. So and even during that time, man, I was highly involved when it came to like extracurricular activities. So um, one thing that you didn't mention that the folks should know is that DJ and I knew each other too, not just from the space of sports in high school. We actually reconnected in 2007, 2008 at Illinois State University through the gospel choir. And, whoa, um, whoa, yeah, whoa. Yeah. And now I, I was fat richer back then. I was fat richer back then. Well, we was out was, there. We was the we kind of switched places. I've uh, I'm big <laughs> DJ now. <laughs> hey, but Joe, you you know you can still put on the medium and look real good in it. So I can't necessarily. You are in shape, DJ. You are like you big DJ, but you like you like you doing the work. So yeah, 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 yeah. I, I had a comment about the video I saw this morning, but I'm going to just leave that. DJ, <laughs> DJ, be out here push, DJ be out here pushing people, y'all. Um, he be out here, look, 500 plus pounds and then people. And I'm like, this man is what Coach Williams used to say, King, that boy is strong as a dock. But yeah, man. Um, so, I mean, we it's crazy how many like ties we got. And then me coming to new life you know, in 2013, and I'm like, yo, this dude with the locks look mad familiar, just jumping up and down in the back. Like, he really loved Jesus, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, no, crazy. I cut my, yeah, so I cut my hair in 2013. It was 2010, around 2010, around 2010, when you first started coming around, that's when I had hair, then I pledged and cut it. And then you came back around in 2013, that was when I was with JG, because you came to a JG event. You cut it in 13? I cut it in 10, because I was pledging. You were locked in. Okay, so maybe I didn't see you with longer hair. Maybe I just saw you with, with a pro. I don't know. I thought you had locks after that. Did you regrow your hair? Absolutely not. My hair was like, nah, bro. That's 
Every time I used to see him, I was like, dang, he looked like Edgar and James. You had the Edgar and James lock. I did. So I did. I, okay. Okay. So, yeah, my hair was twisted. Okay. So, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I did have a little Edgar and James joints. Yeah. So, it wasn't ever like locked. I, you, real, I was like, but... man, that must be his son. You know how Chicago people be. Yeah. Yeah. So, you see something. We, that must, that's got to be his son. We are cap and everything about it. And you wasn't his son at all. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, that was funny. Oh, uh, but I just want to let's talk real quick. I want to ask, because uh, this is Jesus and gym shoes. What's your favorite pair of gym shoes? That's tough. So it's crazy because like y'all are low key getting me into gym shoes, and I think because I'm so anti, like spending growing money up and getting. Oh no 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 no! I'm here's the thing. I'm a, I'm an avid runner now. So I'll spend money on shoes because I know that when it comes to my feet, definitely with the amount of weight that I used to carry, I can tell the difference when I invest into a good pair of shoes, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm so anti getting like old though, that I'm like, I want to make sure that I'm swaggy, like at 60. And so like, I'll be seeing you with your like hot to try posts that you be putting up no matter what city you in. And you always got like a fly pair of sneakers on. I'll be honest with you, DJ. I'm just now getting into the shoe game. Mm-hmm. I've had a stupid infatuation over the last three years with, with the Nike 270s? Air Max 270. Oh I grew up yeah. 270s with so many colors, right? Um, I've been watching a lot of Shannon Sharp on the shoe side. Like I already watch him on the sport commentating side. But on the shoe side, man, I've been watching him, bro. Can you believe it? Like I've never owned a pair of Jordans before. And so for it. me, mm-hmm. it's weird. My, both of my babies, my, my younger brothers have, man. And I, there's a story behind this doubt that I will share off the podcast around why why that's the thing. Like, whoa, you you haven't. But, um, man, uh, it's, it's so weird, man. I, I don't think I have a particular brand, per se. Um, man, I'm, in the, I'm into anything that's about colors, right? So I'm all about matching. So you see me with this lavender shirt on right now. I just found me a pair. It's, bro, check it out. White people out here. So, you know, we call them Sakonis growing up, right? Yeah, Sakonis. I didn't know Sakonis yeah. was like the legitimate name, bro. Yeah. If I'm ever able to, I mean, aside from like Sakonis, if I'm ever able to like do, um, actually, Kyrus, I don't know if you know Pastor Kyrus or um, he's uh, the one of the ministers at. Hey, I, we was at the LA Fitness together in a uh, high park, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So Kyrus, he wants to do like Kyrus is a huge sneakerhead, right? And so he wants to do um, a design with Saucony. That's one of his favorite ones, right? And so for me, if I was to ever do a, and I'm probably you know just putting this out in the air, so you know episode 100 or whatever when Diodora, you know, finds out about this episode, I would love to do design um, a Diodora shoe right it's not a huge name but i love diodorus have always loved diodorus from like a kid um i mean my favorite pair of shoes is the jordan 2 but um yeah my favorite pair of shoes is the jordan 2 but like second to that would have to be like the tennis um diodorus i had a pair in college and i had a pair when i was a shorty too but Man, it's, it's an amazing shoot. So yeah, I get it. Like not having a particular brand or like not having a popular brand. Um, but yeah. So here's the thing. I feel like this is important because I got to put this out here, bro. Here's the thing. I'm a late bloomer on the shoes. I'm like, I'm 33, bro. 
for the longest period of time. I was the oldest child, and I was the child that my parents had when they were still figuring life out, right, before they really got into, like, money with their career. DJ, I wore shacks all throughout high school. Like, so I didn't really know. How did you How did you survive? That's oh, bro, they roasted me. They oh, roasted oh, me. Bro, I, I didn't want to say it. Cause I don't want that was because... a part of my mental health struggle. <laughs> okay, I, I was gonna say that. I was like, ah, I, uh, I can't do that. I don't want nobody to hear this and be like, yo, DJ is making light of mental health struggles. But it's like, no, I can see how real. I can it's see so how real. I'm a proponent of kids and uniforms because, um, no matter what, I mean, of course, there's going to be some disparities with shoes, field. but it's even the playing field, though. E- much even playing field. Like, yeah, some kids gonna have on Jordans, but I'm not buying a 10-year-old to Jordans to what a school every day, right? I'm gonna get them a pair of Vans or get them a pair of, you know, some random shoe that they not, that they, you know, that they not, that they can mess up. Uh, and I'm not, yeah. go- I'm not gonna get them no Black Air Force Ones. I'm not gonna do that to my child. They might turn out like Pat Beverly. Yeah. But... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't gonna do that. But yeah, you know, I, I am a proponent of like kids and uniforms. Like it was, it's just easier. I think it's easier on the parents also. Um, but that's that's neither here nor there. But uh, I want to transition really quickly, right? So, um, and it's taking a dark turn, but you know, such is life, right? So with the bullying, with all of that stuff, you did mention that you were like extremely suicidal, right? So a lot of people may listen to this and they'd be like, oh, but he's doing well now. He can bounce back. But there are people that don't bounce back, right? There are people that um, that go through and they're actually successful, right? I don't necessarily want to get into like how you try to take your life or anything like that. But I do want to talk about, yeah, I, but I do want to talk about like some of those things on the outside that were, that are like glaring um, that are kind of like glaring telltale signs that somebody is struggling. Ooh. So it's interesting because for me, I was a different, I'm not going to say I was an anomaly, but I'm different from the typical signs that you would see, right? Like mm-hmm. usually you see people that are checking out, you might have folks, and I talk about this in a few of my books where definitely 31 days of power, like you might have people that are, constantly talking about it maybe they're like having ideations around it things like that right Mm -hmm. um you have individuals that start talking about like you know making a wheel or maybe they're fantasizing about the idea of once they finally leave earth um but then on the flip side what we're starting to see more of now man is you know we have conversations in the mental health uh, realm and field around like high functioning depression that can lead to like suicidal, you know, uh, actions. And so like individuals who might find themselves who are like, you know, super active, they are overcommitted. They are helping everybody else to everybody's cheerleader. They're the strong friends that we talk about, right? They're the ones that, you know, I remember that picture that came out a few years ago. It was like, this is the face of depression. It was like 20 celebrities who had taken their lives that dealt with depression and that it ended up um, dying by suicide. So you have the likes of like Robin Williams, Anthony Bourdain, Kate Spade, and other folks that we've seen who either had like drug overdoses with their mental health issues or whatever the case might be. 
And so I feel like, you know, when we talk about it, it's kind of a both and thing, not just the either or, you know, I, so I, I encourage people to pay attention on both sides, right? Like with this whole concept of we all have a mental health that I've been using for like the last three years now, that's mm-hmm. been one of the biggest pushes for me is like, hey, like we got to do a better job of paying attention to people. Are our actions changing? Are our patterns changing? How we normally talk, how we normally interact with people? Like, is it a consistent lifestyle that we're seeing with people that we're either around or that we're used to? And we notice something is different. Like in those moments, I say, hey, like, I don't necessarily say be weird about it and be super concerned to a point where you might actually like push them away. But rather, like, if you notice it, like ask questions, be straightforward with it instead of like trying to beat around the bush. Like, I feel like all of those components are super helpful in it. Um, when you when you talk about recognizing it, but then also being able to help within it too. Okay, okay. So with that, I think uh, because I think people think that it that it's supposed to look like Daria, or it's supposed to look like um, some person that is just wearing. They they decide to go from wearing colors every day to now they just want to wear all black right that can be a telltale sign but like Uh everybody isn't like that some people know how to show up and show out right I know that there was a point in my life um great I'm I'm grateful that like I never dealt with like suicide being an issue but I most definitely dealt with scenarios where I was extremely extremely depressed where you know I was still able to function but I was only able to function in short spurts because because everything else just weighed so heavy on me right um and I don't think that my signs were I don't think that like my I'm grateful that I was able to find a therapist you know in enough time to be like hey let's walk through these things. Let's, you know, practice mindfulness. Let's practice, um, um, let's find things that are going to be beneficial for you. Um, I have a tattoo, you know, that reminds me that I'm human. Right. Um, and I look at it anytime I'm overwhelmed and I have it on my right hand because on the inside of my right hand, because I'm right hand dominant. So I'm always able to look down and be like, okay, cool. DJ, just relax. Like you got this, but not everybody go, not everybody goes through that. Um, and so for you, what was that turning point that kind of, um, that kind of got you to a place where you're like, you know, I'm able to talk about this now. I'm able to share this with other people. I think for me, man, you know, it it wasn't just like a turning point of like, oh, this is it. It was, so the last time I saw you at an event well no I saw you in 08 as well oh seven because you started going to ISU when oh six I played the 06 and 07 season there and then I left oh. fall 08 I saw you in fall of 07 when we went when we came up because you all always hosted the fall workshop and I you hosted mm-hmm. the spring and when y'all hosted the fall joint, um, man, I was, Valencia I was down and, bad. Uh, with yep. Valencia? Yeah. Yeah, I was we down bad, were. man. Yeah. I was down bad. And so I kind of, I, I tried to like put on a good face throughout that time frame. But my final suicide attempt came like two, maybe two and a half months after that. Mm. I was in my college dorm um, and I took a blade down my wrist five times. 
And uh, from that, several things happened. Like my story ended up making it around campus and made it, because it took place on campus, it made it into the police beat in the school newspaper. And people, because they were hearing about it, they knew. And so in my mind, I was like, I'm either going to do this again and succeed, or I'm about to drop out, go back home to Chicago and become a statistic. And so, um, man, I ended up getting a call from uh, this. uh, So you, you see me post about the TRIO program all the time. I was a part of student support services through TRIO. Um, and they they kind of found me after my final attempt, man. And the director of the program, well, he was an academic advisor at the time. <clears throat> he reached out to me and was just like, man, I just, I want to let you know you made a mistake, but this doesn't have to be the end of your life. So that was a part of the help. Mm-hmm. But the other part too came from the fact that since my, in, since my incident was public and since it happened the way that it did, our dean of students, I had to sit down and have a one-on-one with him after what happened because it took place on campus in a dorm hall. And so, man, that was a big part of it when it comes to like what caused the change. It was almost like a forced change. So, Mm -hmm. you know, in order for me to stay on campus, they put me on like a two-year probation. And then with that probation as well, you know, a part of that probation of not getting in trouble also had to do with you need to take the next two years to visit the school's counseling department and see a counselor. Okay. And so I, I still fall it like, kneeling too like from a faith standpoint man because i grew up in the church so mm-hmm. um man i know i know apostle stevenson has it now with anwa but man i was in that building when i was a shorty when it was monument of faith yeah and so like i grew up under the tutelage of apostle richard daniel hansen right and so I, yeah. I love how black people say under the tutelage uh, <laughs> but i grew up <laughs> i was gonna let you have it <laughs> yo hey i just I, I'm, I'm petty so i gotta throw it out there but man, like my grandma and granddad, well, really my grandma, my grandma raised all 11 of her kids in that, well, 10, um, I had a, I had one that passed away. So 10, she raised all 10 of her kids in that space, man. And so like, I grew up in the church. And of course, when you talk about faith and mental health, man, like that was a big thing for me of like, you know, it was kind of like, oh, you're not praying hard enough. It's just the devil, just pray it out. And so like resources and like true information and not just these falsified information pieces that come out around mental health played a huge part into it too. So even when I had the opportunity to go to counseling, man, I was fighting it because I'm like, no, no, it's just the devil. Like all I need to do is, is, um, is, is reject the enemy and he going to flee from me. <laughs> and really that was my, my thought process, but I'm like, no, bro. Like the word tells us faith without works is dead. You got some work you need to put in behind his face. And yep. so having to like, unlearn bad teachings around mental health even though i believe in jesus and having to like dispel myths when it came to like black community like i I grew up learning that it was a white people's problem like so all of those different like pieces that i had to like truly just like break down and understand like this isn't true um and i needed that because i fought the therapy for the first few months like i did not let my therapist in I was so like gung ho and like, oh, I'm gonna just self-diagnose and maybe this will help us quit, like finish quicker. That wasn't the thing. So having to let that go. So I was forced to do it because of some of the ramifications that that were around me. Um, but then when I finally let go and realized like, yo, it's okay. Like this doesn't make you weak. Like essentially I learned the complete opposite of everything that I was taught. And I think that helped me to really open up. Yeah, and I think that that's the the thing that um, like I said, I want to have unparalleled conversations about life skills and Jesus, right? And so, people 
people throw or you know kind of sugarcoat things with jesus or yeah jesus is gonna do this and jesus is gonna do that right but like you said faith without works is dead um and you like jesus literally wants to renew your mind on a regular basis right and you and sometimes the renewal of the mind comes from you <laughs> you having to relearn things uh what's yeah. funny is that i i I think we used to go to like groups and stuff because me and my brothers used to act a donkey in school, mainly just because we just did it out of, huh? No, yeah, we all did. But uh, I'm talking about like in grammar school, we were just like oh, okay. active. Yeah, we were active, and you know they would have like circle time, which would kind of be like a therapeutic type of session, right? But then as I got older, and you know the person that you know. Uh, an ex of mine shall remain nameless. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she was like, yo, uh, I have a therapist. I am, you know, I am a therapist. So like, or I'm in school to be a therapist. You should like go see one. Like, you know, just, and then I went, oh, to, I okay. went to that therapist and I was just like, yeah, this was a terrible experience. <laughs> like, I think I went to like three <laughs> sessions and I was like, yeah, yeah, uh-uh, not so much. But then in 20... Um, it was 2018. No, it was 2017. So I've been with my therapist almost four years at this point. Uh, okay. Yeah, I was in subsequently in another relationship. I had just uh, dealt with the loss of who I consider somebody like a father to me. And it was just a bad time. And I was dealing with, you know, not coming out of uh, being, you know, underemployed after making a crazy amount of money prior and just like rediscovering who I was. And so that time that was a, and then like leading a ministry at church yeah. and then like trying to lead in a relationship, bro. Whew. It was a lot. And so I'm grateful yeah. that God, like literally it was through JG, um, Joshua gathering ministry used to be over. Uh, it was through that, that like we had a mental health event. We had a mental mm-hmm. health event and one of the women was like, yo, DJ, and I, and I put on Facebook, I was like, yo, does anybody know any male, uh, any black male therapist? And somebody shot me a text message. It was like, yo, try this guy out. I just found out about him. He comes highly recommended, um, oh. black male. And I was just like, okay, cool. And I called him and I was like, look, I can afford $50 a session. Oh, okay. That's all I got. And I, but I need you. Yeah. And he was like, it. he was like, cool. And as soon as I was able to get me some more insurance, I was like, yo, we gonna pay, we back, uh, we, we added now, bro. I can pay the full thing. You know, all I got is my copay. Y'all are in there. And so I just want to say to anybody that's out there, like, it's okay to don't fight it. Like if you in, if you in therapy, like Richard said, you know, you just gotta let it go. Like it's find you the right person. You know, go to as many people as you can. Um, and so this last question um, I want to ask outside of just going to therapy. Um, how did you get into public speaking? Like what happened that you went from, because I, I never asked like how you went from like how you got into it. Like I just know you never had a job. Like you just always was like speaking. And I was just like, First of all, I definitely had 
Richard ain't never had a job. Richard always just Ooh. talking to somebody. And like, no. yeah. He's just always talking no. to somebody and ain't never worked. What they say, it be your own people, right? It literally be your own people. Oh, First of all, I had one job out of college. Um, exactly. I worked ain't at, never worked nowhere. Worked I, worked at, I worked at Roosevelt. I worked. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to see the video, right? So, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> But, um, man, I worked at Roosevelt University for six months on the temp position in hope that it would become full-time because when I graduated from college, man, I really had my eyes set on becoming a higher education professional and one day becoming the president of the university because I heard that they make a lot of money. Um, and so that was like a thing for me. Um, my dad, though, my dad, has, even though he worked a ton of jobs, my dad has been an entrepreneur. He raised three entrepreneurs. And I think that was a huge part of it um, for me. Um, so as pitchy as DJ says that I am, um, I grew up singing. I started singing when I was a shorty. And I, um, man, I did country music when I was young. I did classical and opera for a little bit. Um, and then I moved over. I, do, I didn't get to gospel until like, even though I grew up in the church, I didn't start singing gospel music like, until college mm -hmm. so um henceforth why i can't do like a ton of runs and stuff because i'm like i just i never grew up in that in that realm that's just that hasn't been me right and so um but with that being the case though the stage presence piece came when i started singing because for me singing is more of a challenge in front of people than speaking was and then um, I think that was a big part of it. Then, of course, too, being one of the leaders of the gospel choir when I got to college, you know, I was I was in ministry mode. So it put me in a space where I was sharing my testimony or, you know, so like I think that kind of really put me into it, man. I started doing a bunch of like volunteer work with um, different like uh, uh, women's shelters and like, you know, working with the homeless. And so I would always want to like lead people with encouraged words. And so it got to a point where, man, I ended up pursuing a degree in communication, but a lot of my uh, emphasis in coursework was around rhetoric and public speaking. Okay. Like speech courses, like the debate courses. And man, I was just like, yo, like, bro, I remember walking into a speech class several days after my final suicide attempt in 2008, hadn't changed my clothes in a week, was sitting in a very funky, musty, starberry outfit, walking to that class, looked like crap, probably smelled like crap too. And the teacher called me up on the first day. Um, Judy Santa Cantarina was her name. She's an amazing lady. She called me up on the first day and asked me to uh, join a few other students to give like an intro of myself. Each of us had two minutes apiece. I came up there and blazed it like it was nothing. Uh -huh. And she was like, you look nothing like what you found. And it blew her mind. It blew the class's mind. And I was like, man, there's something there. But I never really thought much of it. But man, once I didn't get the job um, full time after working at Roosevelt, man, I was heartbroken. You know, I was getting ready to get married. So I felt like kind of forced to like figure something out. And then one of my homies got killed um, a day before Thanksgiving. And I was at his funeral and I saw how many people um, he was a Kappa, so he was super popular, man. His funeral, like, it brought out a lot of people. And I remember just how so many people walked out once it was time for the eulogy, and a lot of people were like, I don't want to hear nothing about no hope. I don't want to hear nothing about faith. Like, and something spoke to me in that moment where I was like, yo, I need to go out and be able to reach people that's not coming into the space. 
And I think that's yeah. really what it was. You know how we are. Like, we super religious. Like, oh, we got to take the word past the four walls, right? Like, it yeah. was one of them moments. But I think in that, though, too, bro, like, I didn't think it would be this. Um, but, yeah, that's what happened. And I think for me, man, I grew up as, like, my parents' most rebellious child. So, for me, in being a rebel, like, I've always had the mindset of, like, I'm not going to lose. I don't care how many ills I take in this. I'm not going to fail in this, and I'm going to figure it out. And that's kind of what happened, man. So, I struggled the first three to four years really trying to get it together. Um, when you and I really started connecting in our relationship around, like, late 14, 15, man, I started, like, really taking off. I had two books out by then, and I think that was a big part of it, you know. I started speaking to groups for free, man. I, bro, I kid you not, I spoke to almost 100 CPS schools in my first year for free through the Black Star Project, just in the hopes that, just in the hopes that I could get enough footage to put on YouTube for people to see that I'm that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm really like that, and so that's really what it boiled down to, man. And then from there, man, I got on that cold call, that cold email grind. I didn't have a lot of money, but the little bit that I had, kind of like you with the therapist, right? Like this is what I got. I got enough money to to be a vendor at this conference and really just sell myself. And hopefully anybody that hears me, they take a chance on me. And I yeah. took them little chances, man. And little by little, that's what led up to where I am now, you know, can command, you know, five figures in the speech. And I, I don't say that to be cocky, but I say that just on some like, man, I, I work somebody hard needs to hear this, it. Bro. I mean, you know, when somebody listens to this, they need to hear it, Joe. Like they need to hear it. So yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, it is good, you know, it's not like I just came out the womb just blazing. My boy said, like, I ain't never seen him work. <laughs> I mean, I clearly know that you put in work, right? I know no, that No, I'm you... talking about, like, a nine-to-five job, though. DJ was like, I just saw you speaking from the start. <laughs> I wish. I wish, man. I took some odd jobs, bro. Um, I took some really good jobs, too. Um, I ended up, I think what really kind of helped me on the mental health side is that I ended up taking up a, um, a uh, MPH, so a mental health um, pr- professional job with uh, Ada S. McKinley okay. for about three years, my last three years in Chicago before I moved. And that was, I think that was a real game changer for me, man, because I got a chance to do a lot of one-on-one development work with like students with behavioral disorders and mental health issues. And I think that's what really kind of was like, yo, bro, like, you got something here. And I think that helped me on the speaking side more than I know. Understood. Yeah. Well, and I think- it, was a, it was a long time where I was talking mental health and nobody was listening. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. I think, you know, when you were going through that, uh, that um, first divorce, it kind of, I think that made some people listen. Let's clarify. You said first divorce. I only had one divorce. First marriage. <laughs> no, 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 no. When you, because you, but if you divorce my homie now, we fighting on site. Like if not, she, we, that's all I'm not. Okay, making sure, go. bro. Like you know, yeah, I need to get y'all on Black Love or something. Um, because I, I actually don't know how you. I don't know why she like you. Um, but <laughs> yeah, favor. <laughs> yeah, it is favor. Uh, you know how when you see something, you be like, dang, that Negro lucked up, bro. Like, how you do that? No, that's that's not that bad. I'm joking. Um, we're friends in real life. Um, but no, uh, you know how you meet some people. Um, and the first time I met his his current wife, um, we just were out and she was just able to like allow us to be. I never saw 
well, she allowed us to like still have our type of conversations, right? And so it was like, and she was just able to join in and just be like, and, and just be, you know, just be present in the moment. And I really rocked with that. But I think that a lot of people started to pay attention after uh, when you were going through the divorce from your first marriage. You know, the, we're not, I'm not bashing your first wife. She, she the homie um, at all. But I do think that a lot of people started to, um, and you kind of shifted, like how you, you kind of shifted a little bit about how you started to grind and how you started to command the audience or your audience of people after like while you were going through that do you do you think that that did you see it at all that that was happening I definitely did I didn't see it like obviously when I was in the first marriage um it's crazy like you know you you met my my parents (laughs) and so like my OG my mom my mom was like she knew from the start that it wasn't the move but she was like, your dad just told me, like, I got to let you be a man and figure it out on your own. And so it wasn't until after that divorce happened when she was like, yeah, I wanted to tell you, but I couldn't. And so it it was crazy, though, man. I started paying attention to what people were saying. And a lot of folks were like, bro, you just seem so much more free. Like, you seem more like yourself. And it's true. It's true, bro. If I can be honest with you, even though I had overcome depression coming out of college, um, there was a point in time, definitely, I think around the time you and I met, um, and we really started to bond where I was like, man, I could easily teeter this line of going into depression because of the space that I'm in with my marriage. Yeah. And, um, you know, I won't get into specifics, but there were a lot of components that you know about when it comes to like, yo, like this could legitimately be a thing that could pull me into probably a darker hole, deeper hole. And so um, I noticed it, I think even more once Delina and I got together and it was one of those things of just like, it was dope like my mom was like yo like it's cold like you always ask like I don't know how she can handle you and the reality is my mom is like Delina is like no nonsense so like I might say something crazy but at the same time she gonna come right back and be like hey fam like chill or she'll come back and be like you ain't really like that like (laughs) you know so it's it's literally that like bust your bubble type of relationship where I'm crazy but at the same time she she tames she tames the snake but um, man, it, it's been one of those things where, like, you know, you talk about somebody who, like, allows you to be you, right, and, and doesn't feel like they need to change you or make you into who they think you should be, right? And I think a big part of that for my wife, though, too, bro, is her faith. Like, her faith is in God just on another level when it comes to, like, look, I trust the Lord, and I know that he speaks through you no matter how crazy you think you are or how crazy you act. And yeah. she was like, I know at the end of the day, he's going to reel you in, right? And so, like, her her faith in, in, God, in the God in me, I think, is so big um, when it comes to, like, you know, just our dynamic, man. And then we're, like, major opposites, too, that balance each other out. Like, I'm a bouncing off the wall extrovert to extrovert. She is a homebody introverted introvert that loves her space and time. And we kind of come together, man, and we balance each other out in such a beautiful way. Understood. Um I think that's awesome, right? To kind of be in a space where it's like everybody makes mistakes, right? Um, and I do want to say this again: I'm not, we're not bashing your first joint, um, but I do think that everybody can't that you can come out of situations that you kind of get yourself into. And both of y'all are flourishing. Like 
I actually saw I actually saw her the other day. Uh, both of y'all, both of y'all are flourishing, and you know, I think both of y'all had like lessons that y'all learned from each other that yep. kind of like set you guys on a path to be like, you know what, oh, God, why we do that? But thank you that it was done. Right, all things work together. Um, um, and so with all things working together, you know. I want to end right there and just, you know, how can people get, you know, more in tune with uh, Sir Richard Taylor and what you got going on? Yeah, so, oh, yeah. How how can people get more in tune with you and how, what you got going on? Definitely. Um, so, uh, website, richardtaylorjr.com, man, I... Uh, I try and be intentional about posting content every day on social media um, when it comes to um, just putting stuff out there that I think will will kind of help people. So I've been like in this this like run with Richard series, man, where I do like a message while I'm running, you know, each day. And uh, I'm actually going to use it as probably the next book, low key, just these different conversation pieces. Um, so I use the social media pieces. So. Richard Taylor Jr. on Instagram, Richard L. Taylor Jr. on LinkedIn, Richard L. Taylor Jr. on Facebook, at Truly Taylor Made on Twitter. Our, um, podcast is called Between the Dream, man. So, yeah, I'm usually on one of those. I drop podcast episodes every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So I'm always putting out content there for sure. But, you know, I mean, people can stay in tune in that way, man, and find out everything they need to know. Yeah, you heard it here that he was going to add Jesus, this uh, episode of Jesus and Jim Shoes on uh, Between the Dream. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know. Fire, we in it. And hey, yeah, real quick, I wanted to say something. Can I, can I, because I know we talked Absolutely. about this. Uh, I love what you stated too. I, I, and I want to put this up. Like my ex-wife and I, we actually ended on a very like amicable type of space, right? And so mm-hmm. now for anybody listening in that space, because I know like divorce is a real thing. Divorce and mental health, when you talk about people in the faith and divorce, like we, DJ, we could probably have a whole nother podcast episode. A whole nother around one. That. Easy, right? But I think whew. too, man, I want to, I want to make sure I put this out here too. Um, because you and I talked about mental health and I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't say this. Um, I know for me, I ignored a ton of red flags when it came to that first marriage. And I had opportunities where I didn't have to embrace that and actually even propose. It was my decision, but a lot of those decisions were made off of an unstable mental health and Mm -hmm. unstable understanding mentally and emotionally. So I want to just close that out with that piece, man, just so people can understand too, like, you know, um, I think it's so important. I was very bullheaded. I was rebellious. I ignored the red flags. And I think that that's so important because I think for anybody who's listening, like, yo, like that's a big decision that you make when you talk about that level of commitment yeah. um, and then yeah. having to make a decision later to like leave that space, you could find yourself in a position to where it's kind of like embarrassment is huge and you feel shame, guilt and ridicule. So I just want to leave that for anybody who might need that, man. I, and I know that's not like super popular, but at the same time, like it could be saving you from like a uh it, it can save you from more pain later on. I'll put it like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I do think that um, that is, I'm so grateful you brought that up because I never know who's going to hear this. Um, and there are a bunch of people who are in situations and they're just like, whether it's a whether it's a marriage, whether it's a job, whether it's, you know, something, whether it's an apartment or whether it's in a, ha- a house or something, it's like, yo, I, I kind of ignored those red flags. So, you know, um, you're able to overcome that. So on that note, thanks so much, G. Um, I appreciate you uh, for Ooh, jumping man. in one time for the one time on Jesus and Jim Shoes. Um, oh. 
Love you, dude. Talk to you in a little bit. Love you more, bro. All right.